Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Ritz podcast volume 8 issue 394. Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts, they've got me out of the cupboard again to talk about a rare game and probably some voices you know and some that you don't. Uh, you can play along with the show in the future, we have Donkey Kong 64, another rare game, I'll be there, I'm sure Ryan will too. Uh, well maybe not, who knows. But the Evil Within 2 is after that. Asteroids, Planescape Torment, Donkey Kong Country Returns, hey, hey. And Final Fantasy 15, that's what X and V means, yeah, that's 15, goody good. So those are the next shows, and maybe up until the end of the year, and then it'll be Volume 9 suggestions and, you know, speculation and all that fun stuff. Uh, you can, you can you know, go to the website, caneandrince.com, support us on Patreon, at patreon.com, forward slash caneandrince, and we've got other bits and bobs that we do that you've probably heard in the intro of all the other podcasts. We do Sound of Play, Playwright, The Sausage Factory, and... You just type us into the search engine, you'll find Kane and Rince lurking around somewhere, okay? Um, we've done loads of these now, so if you, you know, if you just type in Kane and Rince and a game name, I'm sure your favourite game has probably been uh, covered so far. This is episode 394, as said, and uh, yeah, joining me, Darren Gargett, the, the, the rare guy, as I've known, in issue 394 are Joey Buggy. What's up? You can also call me Joey Bag of Donuts, just depends on what you prefer or know me as. I prefer croissants. And hello, Ryan Heyman. Haman, I never know how to say your surname. That's that's okay. Uh, you can call me whatever kind of pastry you like, if it's easier. <laughs> I've run out of pastries, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts is something of, a, um, of an oddity, and uh, you know the word controversial might be used to describe it. It was originally um, planned as a, uh, a Banjo-Kazooie remake called uh, Banjo-X. Now, this is quite an interesting thing for me. I'm going to Start off with our histories, and I'm going to go last. So I want to hear our histories. Um, you know, for, well, we'll start with Joey first. Uh, how did you first discover Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts? And um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so um, I'd, I'd been following Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts since like before the game came out. When I heard about it, I was like, oh boy, a new Banjo game. I'm a Banjo freaking nutcase. I love these games. And, uh, you know, so I had been following it, when it, you know, before it came out and I got it when it did come out and played it on and off for years and whenever i did Mm. play it you know i tend to play it pretty dedicated and uh i had you know a bunch of times you know there's some stories i can go into in a variety of things like actually um what perfect example just real quick uh one of the achievements in the game was what's that smell which was play with a banjo team member and i actually got that achievement the day the game came out because uh, i was actually just playing a one-on-one lobby with uh and racing against a banjo team member because like me and him were just talking about a variety of things but i'm sure that you know that stuff will go into a little bit later but between having a blast with friends and just enjoying the game i mean i've just been following it since before it came out and still play it off and on time to time even to this day so you were a fan of banjo kazooie and tui before this or was it kind of a new thing for you oh no i i had uh i had played banjo kazooie and tui well before this back on their release days around the n64 you know period we don't talk about grunty's revenge on the game boy advance that game is just there it's fine it's a banjo kazooie game that doesn't really do much but yeah it's it, it's all right it's just very um unmemorable is the word i'd say <laughs> um, ryan how about you with banjo kazooie and nuts and boots how was you uh involved in all this obviously you know i was a, i was a big banjo fan growing up i never owned an n64 but the neighbor friends down the street would uh we'd go over to their place all the time and play a bunch of banjo kazooie and so you know as it as i grew up this is one of the games that i get, kept revisiting over and over again like everyone i was really looking forward to you know a new banjo anything Mm -hmm. at e3 2006 uh rare showed off this video on microsoft stage of 
a new banjo teaser. You know, it was a banjo and a new art style and HD graphics. Um, he was walking around a little kind of room that looked like a sketch drawing That's right, and, yeah. you know, carved through the wall. And then you saw the, uh, the facade of spiral mountain behind him. He hmm. zoomed in on the puzzle pieces and the, the little musical notes and everything. And it was, you know, and it left off with this frame that just said banjo is back, mm. which mm-hmm. they just didn't really add anything to for another, I think like a year and a half, maybe like we didn't hear anything about this project for what felt like an eternity. Mm. And it was just a few months before release of nuts and bolts that news went up kind of in the middle of the night, my time, I guess it's uh, coordinated to to British time when the news would have dropped. But I would just remember seeing on like the rare witch project, this, um, these <laughs> screenshots of Banjo Kazooie flying around in an airplane and driving around in a car. And I remember just looking at it with like a year and a half of built up expectations yeah. at that point And just being like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's what this is. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, and just, you know, <laughs> Like I, I still was interested in giving it a shot. You know, I still really believed in in Rare um, a lot, and and all the stuff that they were doing. You know, Viva Pinata and Grab by the Ghoulies and Conquers Life and Reloaded. Like even the stuff that they did done after they um, transferred over to uh, Microsoft, uh, Cameo Elements of Power. I loved. You know, I I still really was excited about it, but there was definitely like a part of me that was very disappointed that it wasn't just a traditional platformer mm. and still like to this day like i have such a vivid emotional memory of that moment that morning <laughs> like finding out that like the banjo game i had been mm. looking forward to is just not a banjo game <laughs> so you know I, I picked it up at launch and i played it all the way through i probably came pretty close to 100%ing it um but uh we'll we'll get into the actual gameplay portion. So for me, uh as an ex QA tester at the company, I kind of knew Banjo wasn't really going in in that direction of being a traditional platformer and you know, lo and behold it did almost become a remake. But I kind of knew that they were floating around new ideas before but well, b- before it was even like in, you know, it was it was on paper. It was like it was called Banjo X. I remember we we were going through the FTP like sneakily on a lunch break or whatever. And it's like, oh, there's a thing, thing called Banjo X in it. And like some of it was like it was literally like a, there was a note in the corner or something like something like, oh this could be a party game in the similar vein to Mario Party or something. So they were flinging around so many ideas. Like it was just hard to know which direction they were going in because it was like literally like the first moment the document went up onto the FTP. And that's all I remember about it. But I'm thinking this isn't the Banjo Free that we're waiting for. And then you, um, you know, I left the company and then years passed and it was just like, oh, this teaser that you mentioned, Ryan, in 2006-ish came out and it's like, God, that, that looks pretty right, doesn't it? It's like, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, whatever's coming. And then I remember seeing the screenshot of Banjo Kazooie on a tightrope over Showdown Town, which I didn't know what it was at the time. But it reminded me of when I first saw Super Mario Sunshine on a tightrope. And I'm thinking, what have they done? Look at the state of it. Oh, no, they've completely ruined what I love the most about Banjo Kazooie. I just didn't like it at all. Like initially, just really kind of self entitled Banjo fan, having a little whinge about the future of the series not going the way. Despite the fact that I knew the kind of in the past that I'd seen things that kind of alluded to the fact that it wasn't going to be a platform game. I was just a bit like, oh man, they've they've changed Banjo. Like, you know, I don't really like this new vehicle thing and like the platforming that, yeah, it doesn't seem like a game that I wanted to play. And what did I do? You know, I went out on day one and bought it and, you know, played it through to completion. You know, I was never not going to play it. But I just remember feeling really bitter about its initial kind of reveal 
And it was probably because of that 2006 kind of teaser with the sketch drawing and that, with the you know the pencil prodding and poking them around and stuff. Like it, it just it gave up off a playfulness that would kind of suggest that it was going to be banjo free after all. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like a a blue Peter. Oh, sorry, that's an English reference. Like a, a DIY kind of um, do it yourself vehicle mechanical thing i'm like i'm not no good at this kind of game where you make your stuff out of your own head because i you know i'm not that way inclined i like to have things done for me i was like oh no they've oh, it's not a platform game they've completely just kind of just ruined the series but like i say i, I played it through to completion on pretty much uh, the day it came out or, or you know all the, the weeks coming afterwards and uh yeah so a strange one really and i'm still waiting for Banjo's revival that's a platform game but um, I don't think there's anything happening despite its current uh, resurgence in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Banjo X it was definitely confirmed by you know all sorts of people that it was going to be and you can see this online if you google it it's like a, or not google it it's search engine it you can yeah type it into your search engine you can see that Banjo X was meant to be a remake of Banjo Kazooie and it, it breaks my heart like the, the, the amount of kind of uh, animations that you can view of like um you know conga the, the giant monkey or ape or if he's at the, the, in mumbo's mountain and the the ants and all the kind of first world kind of creatures in that kind of um in, in banjo kazooie were remade on, on the 360 and they do have this kind of art style but it just looks absolutely fantastic and with the re kind of um the resurgence of platforms being remade with spire and crash you think that rare and microsoft were kind of ahead of the curve in the idea of remaking it you know but it kind of just just makes my heart weep a little bit more. That it's, it's another remake from Rare that kind of is never really going to see the light of day alongside Goldeneye. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, how would you two feel about, you know, it's, it's a bit of a silly question as Banjo fans on a pod, but like if Banjo X ever came out as kind of a, as the real deal, i.e., you know, a Banjo-Kazooie remake, would that be a thing that you'd be interested in? Or do you reckon maybe just a, a, th- a threequel would be the way forward for the series? You know, honestly, I would love to see, you know, a Banjo 3. I would love to see a sequel. Mm. Uh, but the Banjo X thing definitely does, you know, seem incredibly fascinating as well. I mean, even on the concept of nuts and bolts, I was, you know, it, it may not. It's like, I'll say this. It, it may not have been the Banjo I wanted, you know, mm. or was hoped or hyped up for. But I very much so enjoyed the game. Mm. Ryan, how are you feeling about um, the Banjo uh, future or the, or the past of this game? Like, what do you want to see from it? Would you like a, a threequel or would a remake of the first one do, do all right for you? I think a remake would be the best way forward at this point. From a personal perspective, like I know the original game in and out so well that like it would just be fun to see it all in kind of like up-res visuals. Um, like you got in a Conquer Live and Reloaded. Like that was... Mm so fun like revisiting that title which i was you know also mm-hmm. so familiar with at the time um but also i think if there is any kind of desire for a future banjo kazooie platforming game remaking one that already works rather than trying to like teach an entirely new team how to build a good platformer from square one uh seems like a pretty decent step forward uh, like a way forward in the same way mm. that like you spend enough time getting deep into good design design decisions that were already made you come to like understand them better like if um if activision created new crash bandicoot or spyro games now i would have a lot more faith in those games than i would have you know beforehand when spyro and Mm -hmm. crash were both kind of making middling sequels from newer studios for what seemed like an eternity so Mm -hmm. i you know in a time when you know, based on ukulele, even the creators of Banjo had kind of uh, forgotten how to get that formula just right. <laughs> like, mm. it, it might be good to just kind of go back to what works 
almost reverse engineer it, you know, relearn from the masters. It's, it's hard to tell where the future will lay, but in the in the era of Final Fantasy VII Remake and uh, Shenmue 3 and Last Guardian coming out and all that jazz, who knows what's going to happen, where, you know, wherever money's to be made, I guess, is um is where they'll go. So yeah, um, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts was really Banjo-X, which is a remake of the first one, and they, they, they kind of got bored of the idea, they said it was kind of a stale approach, and they wanted to... The second idea with the game was where they wanted to um, build stuff, in quotes. Where you could build stuff, said Ed Bryan one day, probably behind his desk. And uh, yeah, they, the uh, conception went from there. The idea went from there into what it is now, which is, you know, a physics-based um, kind of vehicle puzzle game in some sorts. But, you know, they are... Well, they have once considered a banjo 4 because I, I imagine internally they still see this as banjo Free, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, behind closed doors, they probably just chat a lot of stuff about their games uh, using code names and all that. They've expressed some you know opinions recently in interviews. Some people have left the company, and their NDAs have lifted and stuff. And yeah, they basically said they you know they were interested in doing sequels for nuts and bolts and stuff like that. So you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm from the team from this kind of game, you know, which is quite evident from the product that you're given because it's just full of like you know passion and all that but yeah um but you know not everyone you know myself included and you know not, not everyone really saw eye to eye with the team when the game came out and rare gamer you know a, you know a rare flavored website gave it a three out of five which isn't a bad score but it's so you know it's like slap bam in the middle and it you know to just to take a quote from there it said in the end i have to applaud rare for trying something new and the concept of building vehicles and using your imagination to think of different ways to tackle challenges is nothing short of pure brilliance where this concept falls short is its application in that there really needs to be something imaginative on both sides of the equation for it to work i'm not going to want to build something innovative if i've been doing the same races or fetch quests over and over throughout the game there's also a huge question mark over the way the ideas was applied to banjo sure you could argue that it may have been a marketing choice used in order to get a concept to sell but i believe that with some attention to the actual changes this is an idea which would have been able to sell on its own without slapping on the face of a familiar bird and bear it's really disappointing as i believe there was a lot of potential for something truly exceptional to come out of this concept but trying to mix the two extremes of banjo's adventuring and nuts and bolts sandbox sandbox gameplay has resulted in something that i can't really call a true sequel you know and i i kind of agree with a lot of that you know it kind of feels like they they had an idea for building stuff to make a, a you know a vehicle based game and they just they had the ip lingering and um you know made it work around that which you know i'm not a games designer so i'm not too sure if if that's the best way to make a game or not but you know um yeah, I mean, three out of five in a bad score, don't get me wrong. But I think that kind of paragraph there really sums up a lot of people's opinions on the game. It's like, yeah, you know, it's good, but does it need to be Banjo-Kazooie? You know, and it's such a series that's grown with affection and like love over time. And that's why it did end up in Smash Bros. Ultimate, right? Because for all of it, it seems to like just generate like a snowball effect. All of a sudden, like everyone seems to be a Banjo fan. And I'm guessing it was kind of the same with Spyro and Crash, right? As soon as these games were remade or brought back into the spotlight, people were like, oh yeah, I remember that. It was brilliant. And, uh, but yeah, on release, even a rare flavored website wasn't a hundred percent. And, um, you know, maybe they were the harsher critics anyway, because they were so invested in the series anyway. So maybe an external kind of, you know, um, non i say non-biased but you know a non-rare flavored website maybe maybe would give it a more score but yeah you know it's um yeah three out of five from rare gamer so yeah the the developers were rare limited believe it or not and uh, it's published by microsoft game studios um, i think it must have been probably the last game for the 360 that microsoft published for rare uh viva pinata trouble in paradise was probably before this something like that and it came out eight years after banjo Tui, which coincides with the story eight years later you know they sat on the sofa and all this but before we get to that the designer was greg males the artist steve males um yeah 
family. Uh, artists are Ed Bryan, Stephen Hurst, composers, Grant Kirkhope, Robin Beanland and David Klinick. Uh, so yeah, it was released in November 2008 for 360 and December, uh, sorry, November 2008 on the 360 for um, the rest of the world. December 2008 for translation, uh, issues, I, I and um yeah it had some dlc called log lost challenges which is 400 microsoft points and that came out in april 2009 so the overall mm-hmm. games ranking reviews was 80 percent, which you know pretty positive overall um no word mm-hmm. on sales really i imagine it's done quite well but overall there was no real concrete evidence on how many it's sold but yeah um i just want to get into a forum post from jobo bonobo before we <clears throat> start talking oh and uh, kiss mamo after that just before we get into our own <clears throat> opinions on the on the subjects so this is a forum post by jobo bonobo when i initially heard that banjo kazooie title was coming to the 360 back in the mid noughties i was ecstatic the n64 banjo titles are to this day among my favorite 3d platformers and seeing those characters and their fun goofy world in hd sounded like a dream come true to me banjo 3 was finally happening this was going to be the game that was going to sell the xbox 360 to me and then the official announcement happened vehicle creation why i did not ask for this I can understand going in this radical new direction if it was a, if we were drowning in 3D platforms, but in 2008, the genre was critically endangered, particularly of the collection variety, and I desperately wanted to see those types of games make a comeback. Two had some ambitious ideas and, the me- and mechanics that could have been refined further to produce a truly astonishing sequel, and I was always a little resentful that we never got to see what, what could have been. But perhaps I was being unreasonable. Creating multiple solutions to get a single jiggy did sound interesting, and maybe this could be the best thing to move the 3D platformer genre into a new territory. I was going to ignore the naysayers and be cautiously optimistic. So luckily, my removal mate had an Xbox 360 and being a Banjo fan himself, went and bought it on release. I was having fun with the writing and it did look and sound lovely, but the vehicle controls were really not um, working for me. Being under a time limit to do a task while robots are literally breaking apart your machine and you are crashing all over the place was getting to be quite draining. I also remember quite a large number of missions involving racing or delivering items of some kind or, or another, which was quite disappointing. I get that it's a vehicle game, but a bit more variety might have been nice. Lastly, I am just not the type to go and create bits and bobs in order to progress through a game. I personally found the vehicle creation quite daunting and off-putting, so eventually I just gave up, stopped playing altogether. For the creative types, I can totally understand that they will appreciate and love this game indeed. Nuts and Box does have some very passionate supporters, but for me, this was just too different from what I wanted from a banjo game and made me miss the golden age of 3D platforming more so than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does anyone else kind of agree? Like, I had mentioned it a minute ago, or you know, earlier, that uh, the, the creation side of games never really gelled with me, which is why I never really get into like Minecraft or anything like that, because I just haven't got the the mind's eye to see something that would work without it feeling like wasting your time in this game. With everything you said on, you know, the platformer now, and, you know, the golden age and being a danger, you know, just like I, I completely 100% get, you know, agree with every bit of that. And having to have the creative drive for the game, you know, I, is another big thing that I can also like super agree on. Like I, I for one actually did have it with the game and so did a really good and close friend of mine. And so we both, that was one of the reasons I had so much fun with the game Hmm. was me and him had way too much fun with the creation system. Mm -hmm. But my overall opinion of this game and me and him both agreed on this is like, you know, for us, it is a fun new banjo game, despite, you know, for me personally, it not being what I wanted. We'll move on to a forum post by Kiss Mammal. 
I have a lot of fond memories of Nuts and Bolts, which I consider to be a hidden flawed gem of the 360 library, and a game mm -hmm. that was somewhat unfairly maligned for what it wasn't, rather than appreciated for what it was. When the game was at its best, with its freeform level design that encourages lateral thinking and genuine experimentation, it's a hell of a lot of fun, and offers an experience unlike any other game out there, especially in 2008. Tinkering with the vehicle creation to modify an existing creation or create a bespoke vehicle for each given mission, a dragster that transforms into a fighter jet at the touch of a button, or a machine gun wielding a racing boat, or even just making an Apache gunship just for the hell of it, is immensely fun. Where the game falls down, however, is in its unwieldy, overcomplicated structure and UI that seems quite cumbersome and confusing. I remember it being quite a lot of work to get to grips with what I actually needed to be doing in the game. It's also arguably too slow to drip feed out the more interesting vehicle parts. It's very possible that the game would have been much better served by doing away with the vestiges of a 3D platformer DNA, its sprawling hub world, the multiple collectibles, and going, and going instead for a more stripped-down, menu-driven interface that focused more on the vehicle creation aspects of the game. Ultimately, though, I have a lot of affection for Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. It's hard to recommend a game that requires wading through 10 hours of gameplay to get what I would consider the good stuff, which is quite um, relevant considering Death Stranding is just around the corner. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> topical, topical feedback. No, yeah, I, I get what they're, um, what Kiss Mammal's saying there. You know, it's kind of like the rock band Guitar Hero thing. Like you want to play this party game, for example, but you've got to unlock the tracks to enable to play the game more. You're like, well... Actually, if, if, you, if you just gave me all the tracks from day one, like well, why are we all of a sudden gating things that kind of should really be there from the get-go? There's no reason. I mean, maybe in Showdown Town, you know, you don't want to be exploring that place, you know, freely from the off because of your trolley having its upgrades. But like in terms of building, it just seemed a, a bit restrictive. Maybe they didn't want to overcomplicate the, the player with, you know, too much stuff to build. But also like you kind of just wanted to just experiment and you felt like, you didn't have enough really to um, let your brain run, run wild if you had the you know the mental energy to do so. So yeah, mm -hmm. it was a good post. Um, any thoughts on it? I think it would have been a problem to give players everything that they needed up front um, mm. just because my opinion on the building is that it looks intimidating, but it's actually a lot more a lot more straightforward than you would think it was after you mm. spend a few minutes in it, you know, I think you get Absolutely. used to it really, really quickly. And you find that like, it's, it's very forgiving in its, um, in its design and its physics and everything. It just kind of like, um, kind of like the game spore, you know, you can create mm. all these wacky, wonderful things and they all have a desire to work, you know, and you can tell that they're all trying to work instead of trying to provide a more kind of faithful simulation in which any one thing going wrong could kind of collapse the entire structure of something you know it will it will i don't know if it's actually cutting corners or doing something but it feels like it gives you the benefit of the doubt in the uh, engineering problem sometimes so you know i i feel like it's it it does look intimidating for sure and i think starting from a complete blank slate can be really off-putting if you if this isn't the type of game that you're going to like spend all summer with, you know, if you're trying to just kind of mm -hmm. dip in and experience something quickly, but once you actually kind of like get the hang of the construction mechanics, it's, um, it, it gives you a lot of depth, but preserves a surprising level of forgiveness and flexibility. So it's, it's really not that bad in my opinion. Once you, uh, once you 
kind of muck around a little bit yeah i mean like i i completely agree with that you know 100 percent uh you know as far as the you know the limiting the access of you know customizations and ability like i feel like that they were just doing it just to keep you i guess from just completely stomping the early parts of the game and kind of letting you build up and you know arguably they could have just you know done that to the mission aspect themselves rather than you know the actual customization but maybe they were wanting to kind of give you like a feel of like oh my god this is cool or accomplishment or whatever for unlocking stuff and Mm. getting to the later things you know and then making realize oh i really did make something because i went back to this older mission with Mm -hmm. my end game vehicle and just completely destroyed it i feel like that kind of layers into one of the game's bigger problems is instead of just giving you more tools as the game goes on and and different types of tools to encourage you to be more creative in the cars that you were creating, it gave you oftentimes just kind of better versions of things that you had before. And they all had trade-offs, especially as far as weight goes. But it's really hard to have that feeling in the back of your mind where you say, I know that I'm going to get better parts later and maybe the fact that i'm failing this trophy challenge right now is just due to the fact that i don't have the highest enough Mm. stat pieces that i need to like properly complete it which you know whereas if if it was a little bit more kind of free form was a little bit more kind of like level in the expectations that is set up front then maybe i would be more encouraged to just kind of experiment until i find like a cool vehicle that can conquer a given challenge that I'm up against rather than kind of waiting and holding out for just like quantitatively better parts. Uh, actually, I have a you know quick question to you on that because I remember when we were talking uh, earlier, uh, you, you noted on something about how you had, you know, like almost fully completed the game or whatever. And, you know, the way you were talking about parts are now, did, did you ever like actually go out of your way to do some of the things like, you know, like get um the, all the, you know, like really cool parts you could get from like the bingo game um, you know, the Jinjo Bingo game where you can get some like really neat, unique stuff like the chameleon thing and like turbo jets and all mm. that. Cause I like, cause they're, they're like, they, you're, you're absolutely right. Like they did a lot of the parts and stuff they gave you throughout the game really just felt like, you know, upgraded versions of, you know, or, you know, with some trade off stuff of what you already had, sort of like the super blocks or whatever, which was basically super white, lightweight, uh, amazing versions of like the starting block. And, but then, you know, later on, they gave you things like turbo jets and all that. And then, you know, better ones of those, you know, which there wasn't really much to expand on. But they, they really started to give, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, additional parts. And I just wasn't sure if you actually, you know, got, you know, as, you know, far enough to actually unlock all of those or if you kind of, cause I mean, that's like super, super, mm-hmm. like you have to really, really try to max up the game to really start getting all of that, you know, really cool, unique stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's been multiple years since I've really came to rinse this game. So I don't remember exactly how, how deep into the weeds I got, but in, in revisiting it recently, there was one memory that I had that, might have actually been patched out of the game, a feature patched out of the game, uh, which I don't know if anyone can back me up on this, but I swear that when the game originally released, it had a feature where if you were having a hard time with um, with any of the challenges, you can look at a leaderboard for any yeah. of the challenges, and then mm-hmm. you can click on anyone's name and download yeah. the vehicle that they had been using. And so you could just, yeah. if you were having a hard enough time as kind of a last resort thing, you could go to number one on the leaderboard download their vehicle and get you know it, it didn't play itself like uh like a, a modern nintendo game assist or something like that but it just gave you enough mm. 
of that kind of boost of somebody else kind of doing the <laughs> doing the That's hard right, work yeah. of thinking through the vehicle creation for you to at least kind of just give you a little shove over whatever wall you're stuck on at the time, which really helped, especially towards the end of the game when you had to do the multi-challenges with one vehicle. So yeah, with Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, when it was on, on release, you could create um, vehicles and make blueprints for people to download on the other side if they were mm-hmm. struggling. You could originally download blueprints and then if you had the parts in your in your save you could then have that as a kind of a a leg up for when you were ready to tackle that challenge with that vehicle um Mm -hmm. you know but they did patch it out because i think they made it made the game just a bit too um what's the word trivial i guess is the word i'm looking for really they patched it out yeah you can't do it anymore because i tried to uh, get get a friend's blueprint off of them and they were like ah yeah you can't really do it anymore i think it's all tied to um because back then it was all tied to um, website domains like banjokazooie.com and vivapinata.com and it wasn't really an Xbox Live server thing what it didn't feel like it because it was like uploaded to banjokazooie.com and then mm. that site got taken down so therefore gotcha. they had to patch it out right and then because they didn't have those connections those threads to that website so yeah man I used to give my blueprints to people all the time man yeah. that sucks <laughs> yeah uh, before we get too deep down the rabbit hole well, let's just let's, let's rewind a little bit so the scenario is um, the game literally takes place eight years after Tui because Tui came out in the N64 eight years before this did and you know at the end of Tui Gruntilda's body was destroyed by Magic Kazooie and you know the, but in the time since the two have become lazy and out of shape from their lack of adventuring so they're, they're quite you know, rotund is the word I'm going to use to be polite. And yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just vegging out, just, you know, loving it, eating pizza and all sorts. And the <laughs> LAG transports the characters to his um, headquarters in Showdown Town to start a contest. The the prize is ownership of Spiral Mountain, while the loser must endure eternal hardship at the LOG's um, video game factory. So yeah, LOG is the Lord of Games. He's like this weird kind of monitor on some sort of robe it's, it's a very strange creature that doesn't for me doesn't really fit the um banjo kazooie universe but i guess he's come from a different universe to um you know to get involved in this situation but yeah the start of this game is something of a typical rare kind of um humor moment right because you're 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 banjo kazooie you're you're larger than you were before because you've done no adventuring and you're the, the task that you're given at the start of the game is to collect all of these what seems to be like infinite notes in front of you as a race to um yeah to, to beat gruntilda who's yeah who's yeah, it's, it's just it's just hilarious because pointless badge collector mm-hmm. uh, it's just great because it, it just completely just kind of makes um well makes fun of the games that we loved before right it's like oh look at all these millions of notes around far mountain and you're like oh this is actually a bit ridiculous and banjo and kazooie are kind of you know they're slower moving there they're not they're not jumping <laughs> at all so it's, it's just great it's just a great setup for the game and you know once you see stuff like that happening in front of you for the first time you kind of get a feeling that the game knows and the developers know exactly what they're doing with the series. And you think, oh, okay, I've got a bit more faith in this now because sure, it's not the game I wanted, but it's the game that I've got and they seem to be having fun with it. And yeah, I really appreciated this kind of um, unique introduction to, uh, to to the series. Kind of a controversial mm-hmm. scene among fans. I know that there's a lot of discussion about this scene in particular because especially uh, seemingly <laughs> they kind of promised a traditional platformer up front, which is what 
people wanted. And then when they、mm. ended up delivering a very different product and kind of started it off with a scene that was kind of <laughs> taking the piss and was like, Oh,、uh, mm. you know, people don't really want platformers. Look how boring this is. You know, it's like creating、mm. a creating a straw man and kind of putting words in our mouth when it was kind of like when EA came out and said, like, people don't want to play single player games anymore. It's like, no,、yeah. you don't want people to play single player games anymore because you've just <laughs> created a lot of multiplayer games. Stop telling me what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of slapped us there for sure. And, you know, I'll never forget how strangely Gruntilda is just, you know, a single head is faster than Fat Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, as much as I did resent the idea that it wasn't going to be a free d platform, e like, it, it, it makes me smile now, and it, it did、mm-hmm. back then. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the, they are whisked away into Showdown Town after Gruntilda's put into some sort of mechanical Futurama like jar head thing. And,、uh, yeah, and it kind of goes on from there. But the thing you notice, you know, straight away is just how different the, um, But the designs are for Banjo Kazooie, right? After they've、mm-hmm. kind of they've lost their holiday weight and their non adventuring you know, types personas, they, 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 are, they, they slim back down for Showdown Town. And、um, yeah, the, 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 the radically redesigned Banjo Kazooie, um, you know, it was changed late in development, apparently. So later during development, Brian,、uh, Ed Brian, the aforementioned, suggested that the characters in the game should appear cuboid due to the game revolving around the theme of construction. The team went to lengths to ensure that the game's aesthetics looked like everything was constructed with patchwork to give the illusion that everything was patched together. As much as I don't really, I, I like it now, but uh, uh, the initial one, my reaction was like, oh, I don't like this new kind of squarish looking、mm-hmm. cuboid banjo kazooie. Reading that, you kind of like, it kind of makes sense, right? I, I kind of understand it more now because. Yeah, because it is based around the theme of building and constructing stuff, right? Anyone else like the new radically designed Banjo Kazooie? I mean, they're not like it in Smash Brothers, right? They're kind of a more、mm-hmm. traditional version.、Like、so they're obviously not sticking、states. with it. But,、um, anyone a fan of this new kind of right angled, <laughs> nosy bear type thing? I mean, I actually like it. I think, I think it's a pretty good design. You know, the silhouette reads really clearly. I think that the character is very distinct, it's very expressive. The squareness of it all doesn't bother me. Um, mm. I think the aspect of Banjo that does bother me is,、uh, and this kind of holds true for a lot of the game's characters, is the、uh, weird, like, human teeth that they gave him. <laughs> just like a big、oh, yeah. mouthful of teeth, which is just, like,、yeah. really, really unappealing. <laughs> like Sonic the Hedgehog teeth. Like, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> But overall, like, I think it's a pretty strong design. And I, I've, heard, I've heard that story about them being kind of modeled after the.、Um, Vehicular industrial、uh, theme of the game, which I, I feel like I don't really believe it because Banjo was also cuboid in that initial,、uh, initial teaser trailer, which、mm. leads me to either think one, no, he was always going to have this redesign, even when this was just like a regular platformer, which, you know, some of the other character models that we've seen coming out of Banjo X had a similar design. Or on the alternative side, they knew that this was a vehicle game at this point and were trying to sell it as a traditional platformer and not tell anyone for a year and a half, which just seems kind of malicious. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and just say that this was always the case.、Um, I think that some of the characters' redesigns came off better than others.、Um, I really like Klungo.、Mm-hmm. I really, really love、uh, Gruntilda. I think that like, she and.、Uh, And LeChuck from Monkey Island have this similar thing where they get radical redesigns in every game just based on what's happening to their now long <laughs>、yeah. dead bodies. 
and they always look fantastic <laughs> even in the even in the games where the rest of the cast don't look as good like LeChuck and Gruntilda are still kind of stealing the show and this might be the best that Gruntilda's ever looked in my opinion yeah, it's a very creative great. design mm-hmm. I don't really care for the new Mumbo he looks a little bit too kind of DreamWorks animation for me and uh looks a little bit like a just like a teenager i don't know it looks like mumbo babies humba <laughs> wumba just got like a i don't know she feels like she's just like cameo elements of power wearing a disguise yeah, like she looks just a little like bit cameo, more right? kind of like she just doesn't look anything like the old design which just seems a little odd like it's the same person okay well whatever how about you joey are you a fan of the new redesign or and, and the characters around this world or is it kind of something you could leave behind character designs i honestly like a lot of them i mean humble was definitely an adjustment and yeah like you guys were kind of talking about how it kind of like a weird cameo elements of power thor explorer mm. you know <laughs> you know meets architecture you know or you know yeah. archaeologist uh feel to it um uh mumbo his design didn't bother me at all i mean definitely seemed a little different but honestly didn't bother me um, I really like Grunty's design, but still my favorite Grunty design goes to Banjo-Tooie's design. And uh, Banjo-Kazooie, like, so overall, as far as all the designs and everything goes, doesn't really bother me. Short of the first reel, I kind of felt, you know, just a little too patchy. But one thing that absolutely did drive me up the wall was I did not like Banjo's square nose. I mm. did not like that freaking nose. The rest of his design did not bother me, but that nose... I'd still, I still have it, you know, like kind of mm. burned into my brain whenever I close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think the the radical the radical redesign of the characters lend itself to the bigger characters. So Boggy, for example, he's my favorite in all the series, right? And he looks good in this version. Uh, but Kazooie and the Jinjos, when it slims down, I feel like it's too pointy and it's, it doesn't really work for me. I, 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 like the bigger the character in this game, the, the more it lends itself well to the redesign. And uh, yeah, that doesn't obviously work for any of them. Um, oh, no, not for any of them, for many of them, because a lot of characters in Banjo-Kazooie's world are quite small. So like you, you've got the um, yeah the Minjos and the Jinjos and like Mumbo doesn't really fit the new art style for me because it just doesn't want to work with the... The, the the dainty nature of some of the characters, but then you you, mm. you, you get bigger and you get, you see like the um the citizens around the world and the police like the, the pigs look good to me they look like disgusting pigs right and obviously they play the role of the police so yeah it, it's kind of hit and miss for me you know they, they've got all the characters like like Klungo's a bigger character so he he looks good I just feel like the pointier it got I'm gonna repeat myself but yeah it, it didn't lend itself well to the the the, the daintier types so yeah a mixed bag but as long as Boggy's good like. Boggy was my old <laughs> alias back in the day, right? So, like, as long as Boggy's all right. Oh, he's got those horrible teeth, though. Oh, man, I, I don't care. I don't care about the teeth, man. He, he was looking good. Like, I wanted to just give him a good old hug with that white fluffy coat that he's got. And, you know, he's still an idiot, don't get me wrong. But he's kind of one of those that you just think, I'd like to be his friend, you know, in, in this new design. Yeah, I was um more than happy to... Uh, see him back even though he's pretty redundant he just kind of goes come to my gym to beef up and then you, you beef up and you're like well, that's done almost nothing visually to my characters but now i can walk faster and you're just a bit like oh that's a, that's a bit of a shame but yeah character wise like like you say ryan gruntilda just looks absolutely banging and you know a, a, the new little cat friend alongside that reacts to you as you're driving past it and like in the cut scenes for example you know the the, the little i forget the cat name to be it's honest yeah, the, the new there you go of course it's something like that yeah um yeah, all very comical, and you know, uh, as a as a proud owner of a, of a free owner, um, as a proud dad of of a three year old child who who gets a lot out of the animations in games lately. Yeah, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts did a lot for me 
you know, retroactively showing it to my little daughter. She was like, oh, look at that cat. He's going crazy. And is it, as it reacts to Banjo because he was lasers and honking and all this. So yeah, it, I've grown in, I've grown into it over time, but my initial reaction was just like, what are you doing? This is my favorite series and you're completely destroying it. But yeah, hey-ho. Yeah, uh, th- technically, I think the game looks absolutely stunning. Um, I, I, You know, it's I, I sound like a rare fanboy, but rare games for me always, no matter what platform they're on, like 99% of the time, their games just look absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's kind of one of their kind of fortes, so to speak. Their kind of powerhouses is like, their R&D side of the company. I don't know if it's still there or not, but, you know, back in this era, you know, roughly speaking, their R&D team would just completely bust open the consoles, right? And just go, right, this is how you make your games look amazing. That's why Perfect Dark runs, well, that's why Perfect runs on the N64. Do you know what I mean? Perfect Dark should not run on N64. But here we are seeing it in its full glory, even though the frame rate's dire. Like, the amount, the amount of stuff gone into that cartridge is unbelievable. And so the same goes for Banjo Kazoo Nuts and Bolts. Like it just looks absolutely incredible, and uh, the um, the art style, like you say, it does kind of wear thin, you know, or, or it's, it's kind of overdone from 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 us for some levels. But it just kind of all fits, you know. It doesn't. You don't look at anything really and just think, "Oh, that looks out of place." Like you can just tell that the art and the technical side, it all fits together to make just like, a very believable world. Except for one thing, there's one aspect of the design that I just can't get over, and that's all that the tech. All the text in the game is Comic Sans. It's just yeah, oh, it's horrible. Can't, I don't think I've ever really noticed it because it's just part of the series, right? You know, get, but you it, it wasn't to... Comic Sans before. It was like a custom font that they built for the N sixty four versions, and they they went back to like the free included with Windows ninety five Comic Sans for this version of the game. Yeah, you know, but it, 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 again, it, I, I imagine if you, it's not a um, it's not Comic Sans as you say in the originals, but it's, it can't be too far off, can yeah. it? It's got to be something from quite a, a close approximation. Uh, yeah, I don't like Comic Sans and it has, you know, it does get a bad rep nowadays, our Comic Sans. <laughs> I, I do believe it to be a, a bit of a, a, a um, an eyesore, but probably not as much as those who were running in um, regular SD when the, when the game first came out, right? Because the text was tiny, mm. apparently, and they had to um, sort that out alongside many other games on the 360 because it was a HD console. Mm. If you were running it on SD, on a CRT or whatever, like the text was, you know, unreadable, which isn't great for... Um, you know, for some games that rely on a lot of text. So maybe you should have played it on SD telly and not read the text, Ryan. Maybe it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that might have attributed to, you know, my, my eyesight deterioration. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, not, it's not, not, not bad, but, you know, I uh, definitely say I went from 2010 to rapidly declining, you know, <laughs> <laughs> relatively quickly. Maybe it was reading all that banjo text. So, does anyone have any strong feelings on the actual visual design of the game overall, you know, in terms of like just raw graphical power? I, I believe it kind of one of the best on the 360 in terms of it being like a cartoony looking game, but also everything just looks kind of solid and real mm. and tangible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's... it. Because I, I used to be a, a games tester, right? La, da, 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 da. I tend to look around the corners of things that shouldn't be looked around. So if you see a ropey looking texture on a wall or a, or a polygon that kind of wobbles at you, you're like, I'm going to look behind there and see if I can break it. Ranger, because they're nuts and bolts, I've never had that kind of instinct to do so because the whole thing around you just feels like it's it was always there and you just you were invited to see it. You know what I mean? It, the world is so well constructed and the, the way the the engine you know the havoc engine powers it and it just looks it just yeah it all fits for me and i just think god yeah i'd love to see you know mumbo's mountain 
therefore Gruntilda's layer in this kind of visual yeah. fidelity because I think technically it looks it looks amazing. I think it looks great. Everything feels very solid. Everything feels very consistent to an art style. Um, even though the art style is changing wildly from level to level, like I like that everything looks very artificial. I think it fits the design of the game and the the premise of of Log, the Lord of Games, kind of creating all of these levels. Um, I think though that the game's frame rate really does it no favors. Like it really needs to be running at 60 for this type of game. Mm. And even after the Xbox one update, even running it on an Xbox one X, like it still seems to run at 30 and it still seems to even struggle with running at 30. I feel like if this came later in the generation or if this got like a proper remaster uh, for this generation, then like it would be running at a more consistent frame rate and at a higher frame rate, which would benefit the gameplay and the overall visual aesthetic greatly the the water physics while it looks beautiful and it works well with the boats if you put anything in the water that isn't kind of vehicle shaped it kind of doesn't want to play very well like i remember just tinkering around with the world physics you know as you run around banjo kazooie style you can use the wrench that kazooie's got to pick stuff up if you put some like boxes in the water they don't float as you'd expect like they kind of just like just they're just stuck in the middle of the water and it kind of really that was the one time that I, it only happened like once or twice, but when you saw it and you're just like, oh, that really kind of just, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit kind of uh, unfortunate considering the rest of the game seems to just flow like it was, you know, existing. And uh, yeah, I've, I've never, ne- never witnessed it since, but like in Nutty Acres uh, specifically, it was just a bit like, oh man, that's a bit unfortunate. And maybe I was just unlucky with the glitch, but you never know. Um, These kind of, these moments do kind of pull you out of the experience a little bit just to remind you that, yeah. Let's talk about the gameplay actually while, while, while we're here. Let's discuss how the game actually plays. So, you know, you can run around as Banjo-Kazooie on foot, uh, but yeah, the worlds are so level. Yeah, the levels are so massive. The worlds are so huge that you kind of feel like instantly you feel like you shouldn't be on the ground, right? Kind of like Sunset Overdrive where you shouldn't be touching the floor, really. You should always be grinding and stuff. In this game, you shouldn't really be on the floor unless you're out to grab something or quickly just do a little bit of tinkering with your vehicle. It should be flipped or, you know, in a, in a place where it shouldn't be. Because you know you trying to achieve anything actually as a as a platforming duo, it, it just doesn't. It it feels very rudimentary, right? As Banjo Kazooie on foot, it doesn't feel like that's where the effort had gone. And you know, but ultimately, you are you know as we've been discussing, you you are building, you're creating, you're modifying vehicles to help you complete various tasks around these levels, right? You've got you've got how many levels? Maybe about eight or nine levels, and you know they're, they're all varied and they all look different and they all kind of play differently in terms of you know what happens within them and yeah so you're, you're tasked with solving puzzles basically it's like how, how can you get this series of coconuts from one bit to the other or you know but, but and it's up to you the player to either relying on, on a, an existing blueprint that you may have found or you can create your own vehicle to carry the coconuts to its destination for as a prime example i mean you can go beyond that in terms of gameplay and in my case i just picked up the actual coconut spitter and just took that to its destination and watched it spit the coconuts out <laughs> into the goal. And that's when I realized that the game had something, it had its kind of hooks in me at that point. I was like, oh, that really, that was really rewarding for me, the player to think about instead of transporting the coconuts, how about I'll get the coconut spitter and put it to where the, where the goal is. And that was just like, like portal one and two, right? You're just like, oh, hold on. I feel like a bit of a genius right about now. And it kind of, you know, it really, it was really self-rewarding to have that kind of experience. And while that isn't 100% throughout the whole of the game, you have these little moments of 
you know, you have flickers of that. You're like, oh, what if I did this? Or what if I took an existing vehicle blueprint and added 10,000 engines to it? For example, you know, that's, that's, an, that's an exaggeration, but like in terms of speed, you could just like just bolt loads of stuff onto it, you know, nuts and bolts indeed. And you could make some pretty wacky stuff. <laughs> yeah, so like building vehicles and playing with physics is, is kind of the, the core to the gameplay here. And it's not a 3D platformer. It is... It's it's closer to pilot wings in that in the in the missions around you. You know, you're you're flying through rings. You're 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 you know you're doing from you're moving things from A to B. You're you know you're doing all kind of you know the aforementioned uh, forum post said it's not very the variety is not really there in terms of mission structure. I actually found it to be quite um quite a, you know a veritable feast of things to do. But it just seems like on the surface you are just driving around just firing eggshells at people right just to, to or, or the or whatever yeah. level you're in so i can see why people would suggest that the mission structure isn't particularly um exciting or or variable but for me yeah building the vehicles or or modifying an existing blueprint to to map to meet the mission yeah i had a lot of fun with it and i'm not usually one or that way inclined for that kind of gameplay because i find that it's wasting my time if I've got it wrong, you know, in, mm. in quotation marks. And once you let go of that and you go, right, if I make a, a vehicle that just falls over on its, on its, on its bum straight away, that that's fine because it takes two seconds to nip in and out of the menu. And um, yeah, well on the Xbox one, at least, you know, to nip in and out of the menus and just, and just, just try again. I think the game's quite forgiving in terms of the fact that like, if you've messed up, it's not really going to penalize you and uh, waste your time in trying to fix it, which I think is absolutely crucial. You know, some people, you know, could say, well, you know, it seemed like you had to make these super elaborate vehicles by that logic. But I mean, sometimes even the most simplistic thing could, you know, achieve things you'd never even mm. begin to imagine. Once it gets to the, like, the extremes, like say, when you start spending some real time and you, you're going from scratch, it's like, well, build a new vehicle from, you know, from zero and you start piecing it all together and somewhere along the line, you've missed a, a, a crucial bit. And, the, you know, the UI of the building, you know, interface does say there's something missing here, but I didn't uh. feel like it was very forthcoming with where actually the problem was. You end up spinning like, you know, your floating vehicle in front of you. You end up moving it around and around and going, right, where's the actual problem here? And I know there's color coordinated things like, you know, but um, so if, if it's green, it's good. If it's yellow, it's kind of a bit, you know, hit and miss. If it's red, then there's obviously something missing. But sometimes if I made my own vehicle, you know because i'm not very good at this kind of stuff i just found like i was just causing more problems for myself than what it's worth but you know if you're good at that kind of thing and you're good at thinking about you know logic with but basically it's basically just kind of like lego i guess but with, with, with banjo kazooie parts if that makes any sense so like you can bolt on you know the clockwork eggs from tui right and they're like a homing missile and it does have a lot of banjo kazooie's flavor of you know, type things to put on your vehicle. Mm -hmm. I found that once you started experimenting, well, once I found that I was experimenting a bit too much beyond my my actual ability, I found that I was making vehicles that was just, you know, unworkable. And you can still test them. You're like, it's fine. You can And you can just watch it just completely just crumple in front of you. And you're like, maybe that's an easier way of seeing where your problem lays because it just kind of just flops from midair and just, just smashes into pieces. And you're like, well, that's going nowhere, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, Ryan, how do you feel about the whole, I know we've probably spoken about this already, but the whole kind of the gameplay loop of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, is it, um, was it a thing that, you know, obviously you played it quite a lot, mm -hmm. you said to completion and, you know, a lot of jiggies and stuff, but do, do you find the, the building of vehicles and experimenting like a, throughout a fun experience? It, it does require a little bit of a commitment. Um, you know, as you said, getting in and out of the menus on the uh, Xbox One X is pretty quick. Ideally, something like this would be a bit quicker just to kind of incentivize that really really fast kind of in and out experimentation mm. 
Um, so if they were to kind of like create a new version of this for PC, I'd imagine it would be something where you'd almost kind of freeze the world around you and just start building onto your car almost in real time, mm. kind of like a Fortnite uh, building in a way. Mm. Um, I would I would really love to see something like that. But uh, yeah, I I do really like building. I think it I think it works really well. It's surprisingly accessible for how deep it is. Um, vehicles are fun to build and they allow for a lot of freedom, but, uh, I think the one aspect of vehicles that I don't really, uh, appreciate that much is that they're just like a little bit too much of a chore to control, uh, mm. as far as like turning and aiming, pushing anything. Um, these should really be a joy to control, uh, especially for games that are kind of like aimed at younger audiences and games that, their entire kind of core appeal is uh, built around the joy of creating machines. And when it feels like those machines are kind of working against you, when your machine is, you know, flipping upside down and having a hard time, just like pushing a Jinjo down a hill or something like that. Like that's just not, it doesn't really endear me to the machines in the same way that I would want it to. And I realized that like, once you get, comfortable enough with the systems you know you you start kind of overcoming that and compensating for it but i would i would really want it to just like control as well as like uh like a blast core or something like that you know where it's just like super Mm. zippy and super like immediate to control yeah there are definitely um issues to be had with the physics right as soon as your vehicle takes a knock hit you can lose parts and i found the rb button to to replace the item was kind of a bit hit and miss like sometimes the the wrench would take absolutely forever to get the piece back and you're like what am i doing wrong in order to get this piece back onto my ship to you know or vehicle or boat or whatever just keep going yeah i found that to be a bit bit of a chore and yeah so sometimes the, the physics doesn't work to your advantage and it kind of reminds me when you're a kid right and you're the one, you're the kid at Christmas who got the remote control car that had the wire and only the back and forward motion. But then what you really wanted was your, your mate's one who was had like the, the wireless remote control car that had the full 360 motion, like the whole shebang. Like that's what I wanted nuts and bolts to be like, like the super deluxe remote control car. But what you got was kind of like, you know, what your mum could afford kind of thing. And you're just like, oh, but it works. Yeah, but it takes a little bit more effort to have more fun with it. Right. And you're just a bit like, oh man, I, w- I wish, like you say, Ryan, you had tighter kind of controlling vehicle, but then the part of part of the fun for me now is just like some. If it does go wrong, I just kind of go, "All right," you know what I mean. That that's just part of the um part of the experience, I guess. And yeah, I just, I just kind of <laughs> made my peace with it because doesn't matter how many times I put, you know, well, how many times I, I remove stuff from my vehicle. Sometimes it's always gonna just end up on its head, and uh, yeah, and uh, costing me precious time. Furthering on from the notion that this game isn't a three D platformer. The, the worlds, as I said earlier, are absolutely huge. And once you get off your vehicle, you feel tiny in comparison. And like, you know, there's no point. It feels like you're just, just basically just treading on water. But in terms of that, in terms of just like walking, you feel like you're going nowhere. So, to, you know, to compensate for this, they've kind of highlighted everything for you on the map, right? You can, on the mini map, you can see where the jiggies are. You, you don't really get to see where the, the, the ginger guys are for the coins, but you can pretty much see in the world where the jiggies are based and, you know, via holograms above you around the world. The notes are consolidated into, you know, bronze, silver, gold types to alleviate the amount of collection from the collectathon types. Uh, you know, there's still a fair few kicking around, don't get me wrong, but to reach 100, you won't, you won't, you know, you won't be collecting 100 individual um, notes like you would in a Tui or Kazooie. And, you know, yeah, the the levels, they they have 
brilliant introduction theme or like you know like mock theme tv intros if you know what i mean like you know like well because they're all based on like actual tv shows as well like love boat and a team and stuff like that including some like really Mm -hmm. spot on renditions of uh of just kind of one step removed versions of the theme songs yeah it does get a bit too close to the knuckle but yeah when they when they like turn towards the camera and give you a thumbs up and stuff like the 80s-ness of their introduction to each level you know and then each character has like um, a different aesthetic to fit what's going on around them and it just it just makes you smile you know and you kind of wish i kind of wish that the game had more of that kind of character running through it but then how do you do that in regular gameplay i don't know but yeah very interesting so the levels are nutty acres logbox 720 which is um yeah as you sound you know as it sounds you're kind of inside a, a giant console that's um you know twice the power of a 360 maybe banjo land which is uh, uh basically just the best of banjo kazooie and tui put into one giant world the gigaseum as we mentioned earlier or is an absolutely giant coliseum with you know jiggies in it basically or a jiggy themed kind of coliseum it is massive so when you heard joey talk about it earlier in terms of being pinged across the level it's not just a simple case of being like treasure trove cove right it's not it's not that size it's, you're not going to be pinged across it in no time like this must have it's absolutely huge and the stuff you do within it is like darts and sumo and all kind of sport related things it mm-hmm. is an absolute behemoth of a level to the point where you just think god how, what are they doing here like this, this is just monstrous you've got terrarium of terror which is kind of a very confusing uh, labyrinth of a level it's not my favorite and i remember playing it you know near a release and kind of stopping there thinking i don't really like the challenges in this world because they're um they're a bit of a headache and you know you do end up going back to spiral mountain to do a few missions there as well which is always nice to see and uh yeah and tester track which basically um is uh is the forefront for the dlc but you can test out your vehicles there as well in the main game yeah uh anyone got any got any favorites i mean showdown town is the is the gruntilda's lair right and the trolley instead of getting talon trot you get stronger wheels to go up the green slimy hills right it's got those familiar tropes from a pretty pretty platformer but in this new vehicle style and i think showdown town's pretty good you know i think there's too many animals walking around and you know Mm -hmm. for you to bump into i do feel like the police are kind of pointless (laughs) like it's fun that they're there right but nothing really becomes of it and it's just a bit of a chore And i feel like they had them in there because grand theft auto was popular terrarium terror like the the concept that the idea behind it was cool but the execution of the level was just it was just eh, for the game's mechanics and you know the missions it just it became more of a frustration, although there were some cool things like the throwback to the uh, the banjo Tui um, witchy ruled uh, flying saucer game mission. Oh, where, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. like you know, like there were there were some you know cool throwback stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, witchy world mini game, right? Uh, yeah, um, I personally really liked the design, the the logbooks level, and of course, mm. you know, it was. Um, you know, it was re- you know it was just fun. You know, playing in Spiral Mountain. You know, like I personally, as far as like level designs go, Spiral the Spiral Mountain one. You know, takes the cake. And as far as you know, for me, and then as far as uh beyond that stuff goes, uh yeah, Showdown Town. Like man, like I don't know, like were they trying to make a message about cops or something? Because like that's like I think <laughs> the only enemy like I can think of. You know, in that game, where like you yeah. just full blown just like kill them. Like when you just like okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like you know you, they literally just stop mid sentence and just completely eviscerate from existence when you shoot a cop with the laser That's on the it. trolley. Once you get the laser, right? They're just gone. 
Good stuff. Uh, how about you, Ryan? Any favourites? I mean, Banjo Land's a given. Okay, let's not let's not let's not say that one because it's obvious. Nah, I'm only joking. Uh, any favourite levels for you, mate? I think Banjo Land has the best uh, balance of kind of air, sea, and land. You know, you can every mm. vehicle is necessary in that level, which is exciting. Um, you know, a lot of the other levels are very prescriptive in the. Uh, in the vehicles that they really allow you to to utilize, all the levels are very big, very empty, like you said, uh, to accommodate the the vehicles, which have a, a larger kind of turning radius and move faster. So they have to kind of spread things out a little bit more. But it it does make them seem a little bit little bit desolate. <laughs> I I do really like Logbox. I think it's a really clever design. Um, I like that it's very kind of vertically oriented, although. It does make uh, following anything on your radar a little bit confusing, um, since that mm. is just a 2D radar. Uh, but mm. I love that if you crash into any of the electronic components, then your screen yeah. kind of freaks out accordingly. You know, you lose color, right. you'll lose the V-Sync or something like that for a little bit of time, just because presumably, you know, that is the aspect of the machine that would have been controlling that. Um, I think that's really clever. And just watching all the kind mm. of pools of purple coolant and the... Um, the little yeah. bits of uh, machinery that are made to look like uh, computer internals are, are really fun. Um, overall, though, I would just say that like the level designs all felt very kind of functional, um, but there wasn't really a lot that really got me excited from like a level mm. perspective throughout the game. Um, a lot of them were kind of were kind of a bit of a chore to navigate, uh, just because mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes you just you needed to be able to fly for certain parts of getting to where you needed to go. Sometimes you needed to be able to drive and just having to make that transition, which felt like more of a more of a chore this time around than it was in Banjo-Kazooie when you could just find a flight pad and immediately take off into the air. Um, And, you know, even sometimes like as you're trying to collect notes, just trying to round corners, you're turning radius isn't going to be what it wants to be and so sometimes you'll end up circling a note when it's like this is banjo kazooie i should just be able to like have a like an inherent joy in the exploration of the levels and the movement of my character uh, which i don't i don't really get in these the decoration in the level plays against the vehicular exploration methods you know, you'll find yourself crashing into trees and nutty acres all the time and crashing into little Ugh. microchip things in a log box that are just there for decoration, mm-hmm. but they they slow you down, they make you kind of reorient yourself. You end up like steering to avoid them and overcorrecting and end up kind of swerving and it just really draws mm-hmm. attention to all the kind of worse aspects of the controls of the game. But the one that gets me quickly is Terraria Matera, the spiral that runs through the middle of the level. You 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 needed to go up there at some point, but the 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 tightness of the the spiral on the, of yeah. the you know the mechanical flower type thing you can't get up there like nine times <laughs> out of ten like uh, I don't know how they wanted you to fit up this tiny space with the, whatever vehicle you've got and when you're when you're like you know the world is your oyster so to speak when you're building stuff you're like oh I'm going to build this giant thing and all of a sudden the levels like actually the levels are massive but in this instance it's very tiny and you're like yeah. well it doesn't really the, the consistency there isn't you know a hundred percent given the type of game that it is right and that that one sticks out for me big time. Yeah, no, I'll never forget that Humba Wumba mission where they make you go up that entire tower mm. using the solar panel crap vehicle that's yeah, fragile. That's Can you just think the equivalent portion of Banjo-Kazooie was going up the tree in Click Clock Woods and like that's the right, things yeah. that you were doing, you were 
balancing on narrow walkways. You were jumping out of little holes in the tree and fluttering up to the next one. Like that's exciting platforming. And this is just like, it feels like playing an old person walking up the stairs. It's like something that shouldn't be impressive, but is still kind of harrowing, you know? (laughs) You know, you know, I, I get that completely with this. Absolutely. And I feel like all the enemies are just really annoying like they don't really add yeah. anything yeah, to the game they're, they're just... necessary for certain levels like the escort quests and stuff which you know maybe we could do without i felt like the one where you um protect clanker's eyes is decent but a lot of the other ones um but it just like the enemy is just coming in and just running themselves into you and and messing with your <laughs> yeah. self just staring about the level like they don't make the level more interesting or fun to play it's hard to fight them because your vehicle isn't always equipped to deal with them so sometimes you have to like get out of the car beat them with your wrench and get back into the car and it's like that's Mm. not fun it's kind of hard to build a multi-purpose vehicle where sometimes you'll get a flying machine which is needed to get to certain elements and then you'll have to like go through a doorway so you'll have to hop out of the vehicle walk out of the doorway on foot and then rebuild the vehicle on the other side and it's like there's so many things that just kind of like lead to a very disconnected experience well i mean and, and that's where i go to say is um you know that that's kind of where you know end game points came in for sure you know because when you when you get you know the end game points like it, it really did not take much effort at all to make an all-purpose you know compact vehicle that mm-hmm. was perfect for Floating on on water, going underwater, glide, you know, speeding on land and flying through the air with great, you know, handling and functionality and speed on all accounts, you know. But that was again going back to, you know, end game, like super end game. Yeah, you mentioned the um, the enemy types. I don't, I don't even know what their names are. Whereas in the previous two banjo games, you could pretty much remember the noises and the the character names and the visual design in here they're just like if it's not a a spherical thing with eyes charging at you it's a rectangle that kind of blows wind at you and it's just a bit like okay yeah i mean they're just they're just to annoy and i found that it just adds an extra layer of stress to an already kind of potential stressful situation just look like the enemies from the bad sonic games (laughs) yeah Yeah, they 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 were like that that was definitely a huge low point for the game like yeah. super super bland super copy paste and disappointing that's right so the, all of this kind of like i said the holograms that highlight the jiggies in the world and the notes being consolidated and the enemy types being a bit you know forgettable it all feeds into the fact that this game really isn't it feeds back into what the what the forum post was saying earlier why did this have to be a banjo game? Why couldn't they just made it, you know, something else and mm-hmm. create a, a new IP? And maybe making it a banjo game is probably a disservice because there's a lot of character in the first two games, and you know, some part of the GBA game has some of the elements of it as well, right? But um, there's just not enough throughout the whole game. There's not enough character design to match up to the previous two games. You know, the, the amount of stuff that you get up to in Tui is sometimes overwhelming. But at least every part of it has got some magical charm to it. You know, even a train in that game has got some charm to it. You know, I mean, old Chuffy, wherever he's called, and he goes between worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, that that's that's memorable because he's a silly looking train, you know, and you end up getting involved with him. Here, it's just a bit like, oh, yeah, those things that annoyed me in that level. And so what I kind of wanted from this game was a kind of, a, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe something completely different. But also, I do love the bird and bear. Very, very conflicting. And also... 
kind of feeds back into the three out of five review that we, we spoke about earlier, right? If we kind of compare yeah. some of the elements that were carried over, though, um, like the the notes, you know, they were there in the original banjo game to kind of like guide your attention through certain of um, certain pathways through the game to kind of draw you towards. Um, they were ha- handy breadcrumbs to kind of help you keep track of where you've been and where you haven't been before as you explore the levels and they eventually kind of like they they force you to become really acquainted with the best ways of traversing and and make you better at covering these grounds over time and in this game like they don't really feel like they serve much of a purpose at all you know they're too hard to see because they blend in with the colorful environments and they don't have like any kind of glow that sets them apart from the backgrounds to be any kind of like useful visual. You, you hardly even see them until you're like right up next to them. I could see them the most when they were behind a wall or a door and then they start oh, going yeah, yeah. through the wall. You yeah, know? that kind of. So that, yeah. that's when I saw them the most, right? Is when I couldn't see them at all because the Left for Dead kind of silhouetting through the environment mm-hmm. led me to see them. I'm thinking, this is a banjo game. And once you knock into it and it kind of the physics play on the notes i'm thinking no these notes these notes shouldn't be rolling around the world and i, I get i get the comical <laughs> I nature lost of it, right? for a long time because of that crap and you know and that was i hate it i was like why can you hit this it's a collectible <laughs> that's right yeah they, they shouldn't be rolling around the world and i get it it kind of feels more believable that they should but at the same time as soon as i even fart near it i should be hoovering it up you know and what's um, kind of funny is like yeah, in the old banjo games you would see a note in a really hard to reach area and this goes back to you know donkey kong country and all these games where these platformers where you see something in a hard to reach area and you're like your mind starts thinking like oh that means there's a way for me to get there how do i you know mm-hmm. rig up this jump to try to get to this location and oh it just seems so obscure how can i possibly and then you realize that like, oh, actually, these are just physics objects that I could levitate with Kazooie's wand and bring them right to me. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I I guess that makes it easier. Yeah, and again, it kind of just does feed into the fact that maybe the Banjo IP was kind of a a handy, you know, thing to use rather than a game built for it. You know what I mean? It kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really, when you start really thinking about the nuts and bolts of the... um of the game's mechanics you know and that's 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 three of us who are, who have already said that we enjoyed the game but when you start nailing it down to what makes a banjo kazooie game a banjo kazooie game the stuff that this game does doesn't lend itself well to that at all and it's a it's a bit, bit of a shame yeah it could have been great as another ip but at the same time you know would mm. it have been even as well received as it was if you know or even picked up as it was if it was under an ip that wasn't famous like banjo kazooie mm. so there's the complicated you know what if you know versus what is on you know mm. that topic at hand and the grand scheme is you know is you know my opinion is it was a great game and it, it just it wasn't a great banjo game and mm. but at the same time would it have been as well received if it was something that wasn't a banjo game you know tough to know because like rare are quite well on the n64 days they were quite renowned for making new ip right they were like oh jet force gemini's out and you're like okay rare made it okay back back in the n64 days you kind of gravitated towards that rare logo because Mm -hmm. you kind of trusted it if you know what i mean absolutely they had a history of making new stuff fun like blast core like that was the near enough launch title right it was very early on and you weren't really like well okay, it's a game about, it looks a bit like Micro Machines, but you're destroying stuff. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And lo and behold, it's it's brilliant and perfect dark. You know, it wasn't the James Bond we wanted, but you know, I think Joe Dark and the adventures there are sometimes better than Goldeneye, you know? So yeah, Rare have had a a great history of making new IPs work, you know? And um, it's a shame that maybe they couldn't flex their muscle for this one. But also, like you say, maybe Banjo made it sell more than 
what it did or didn't. I don't really know. So, um, you know, amongst Showdown Town, you have loads of kind of wacky things to do. Um, there, there are like Jinjo's help prisoner, which kind of feeds into the police piggy type characters wandering as well. You know, and that's that's okay. The the King Jingling Bingo, uh, you get the coins from the Jinjos within the levels we mentioned earlier. And, you know, these missions are quite, they're like shorter versions of the, the, the regular missions, right? So like uh, a Jinjo would be like, oh, I, my banjo's left over there. Can you fetch it for me? Or can you go and find it at least? And then it's it's like a lighter version of these missions. And I, I found personally there was kind of too many. And to, to fill up the bingo card, you know, it was good for completionists, right? And to, to squeak more out of the world. But I found by the time I wanted more parts by the end game, I'd had all I needed to finish the game, right? And I didn't really... It's a bit unlike me, but I couldn't really find the, the enthusiasm to go back and get all the, the the bingo coins to unlock everything. You know, it's nice that it's there, and you know, if you fancied more stuff to do, then yeah, um, go for it. But it wasn't for me. Anyone else get involved with the the unlocking of the King Jingling Bingo? Yeah, pieces? no, I I I I did everything possible in the banjo games, and that's why I was like, that's like that's partly like how you got like the the chameleon thing that I was talking about right. that weighed a ton, or like the uh you know the the force field energy mm. barrier shield thing on your vehicle that also weighed a ton, you know, was by doing the you know the king jingling bingo, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was definitely a task. And by the time you really get to use that stuff, unfortunately, you are right; it's kind of a little too far into the game. But that's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you got. I got to use it for things like, you know, fighting the final boss, Gruntilda, you know, having fun basically making the ultimate fortress, you know, fight Gruntilda's, you know, gauntlet <laughs> of vehicles at the end, which I mean, I personally enjoyed that boss fight a ton. Hmm. And, uh, you know, because yeah. I, I, I had done a lot of things with that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely see how it died down for a lot of people for sure. Um, but, but overall, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I did everything in the game. I went over the top. I personally really enjoyed the, the stop and swap side of it that was connected to Banjo, Kazooie and Tui on the mm-hmm. 360 or rare replay like that, that, that to me was easily a huge part. Like I was like, I love this, like that, 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 that was like just so neat to me. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that just the fact that you could get, you know, vehicle parts from playing those games to the fullest completion, fighting hidden stuff. And, you know, just it was. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely went overboard. And, you know, as side things to do in Showdown Town, Clungo saves the world is, um yeah, kind of a new thing for me. Like games have been games have kind of been a thing before. Like we had the original Donkey Kong in DK64 in the factory level, right? So it's not a, um, it wasn't a revelation. Like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I played a game within a game. But here it seemed a bit different. It was kind of like it's like an indie game within a AAA polished, you know, game, and it's just, it just felt completely kind of fresh at the time, and I, I didn't really know much before that. You know, I mean, in terms of like a whole new game being created, and you know, at the time it felt kind of massive. Really, I was like, wow, this is amazing! You can play a whole new game within a game. But yeah, I remember getting obsessed by it for a, for a long time, and it's just a simple runner, isn't it? It's just Klungo running in very pixelarty eight bit kind of graphics from left to right. He doesn't stop, and you have to jump over the obstacles by pressing the jump button. And yeah, lo and behold, they, it's it's really hard. Mm-hmm, and they added, you know, even more stuff to it, levels and all that in the uh, 
and the DLC, the Long Lost right. Challenge DLC. Saves the universe, right? Yeah, we went from save the earth to save the universe, and you know, not for nothing. Like we, we can never forget the godlike artwork that's in the background while you're playing the games. <laughs> you know? okay, I'm glad you not, mentioned it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even being sarcastic when I said I was like, yeah, the you know the pixels design you know, is, is definitely comedic and became my gamer pick for a while on the Xbox. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but legitimately, like. Uh, you know, big big props to whoever the artist was. You know, our artists that uh, drew the um. Cause I don't know if it was one guy or multiple or whatever, but you know that uh, it's a piece of work, isn't it? Yeah, God, yeah. No, I was like, it's, it's such a dramatized version of what is actually happening. It, I want to see that anime. <laughs> I was gonna say it looks like anime to me, and I don't know much about anime, but it looks it's got that vibe, you know, super sharp looking uh, visuals and like totally too serious for what is actually happening in the game, and it's just like. That looks really cool. Do, 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 How about do, do, you, Ryan? Do, do, Did you get involved do, 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 with Congo and the saving the world? Yeah, I find that pretty funny. And the fact that he said he was going to go off to create video games at the end of Banjo-Tooie, and here he is with a video game all of his own. Yeah. It's it's just the kind of right level of self-indulgent, making himself the hero, and uh, low-tech. Um, it The music's really good. It's a, a really nice rendition of Congo's theme from Banjo-Tooie and maybe a little bit of Banjo-Kazooie. But yeah, it's a it it's a nice little diversion. Yeah, it's good. Isn't it? I I did enjoy it. Um, you know, and then uh, extras onto the main campaign, you had LOG, um, you know, logs challenges, and it was DLC. It was out in April, as aforementioned, for four hundred marks of points. I only recently finished this. Um, well, today actually on on a live stream for the Kane and Rinch, uh, Twitch channel, <laughs> and. Yeah, being stressed on a live stream is a new experience for me. Um, people, you know, it wasn't many people, but people watching in my head glow red with um, kind of um, <laughs> some sort of ang- you know anxiety of doing it on live on camera was yeah it was something of a unique experience. But you know, it's um, it all takes place in Tester Track, and I I found a lot of them. Yeah, I found it fun. I think Tesla Track's quite a good um a good level to to whiz around in. Really surprisingly, considering you do just test your vehicles in it originally. Yeah, you know, to have. Mm-hmm full courses laid around it and the level isn't overly complicated at all so like you do have a lot of freedom and uh yeah uh, the challenges are really hard though i must admit like and as they probably would be being dlc by this point you're probably expected to be you know somewhere of a professional banjo kazooie nuts and bolts player but uh yeah it's um i you know for 400 microsoft points i happily paid for it in 2019 and enjoyed it anyone else get involved i definitely i played i played uh, quite a bit um <laughs> uh between the congo game which i i played the congo game way too much but just speaking about the throwback aspect you know if you when you especially when you're doing the really long levels uh you know just real quick i wanted to know that um really thinking about it here for a moment is like yeah it's like basically like a pixelized throwback version of like the, the music that plays when you were fighting the Klungo boss fights in banjo tooie mm. um which i thought was really neat fighting gruntilda at the end of the saves the universe though was a little annoying uh <laughs> um and uh but no the tester track dlc no you're absolutely right like the, the logs lost challenge dlc i mean um you know the tester track was great for doing all this stuff but when you had the vehicle vehicles that I had to work with, like it really wasn't too much of a struggle. At least I found from you know my point when it came to it, just because my vehicles were just too much. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, it sounds like you deserved it, right? You put the effort in to get the the super parts for it all, and therefore anything that was thrown at you beyond that was a bit kind of you know, um, yeah. not, probably not easy, but definitely not sweat inducing anger. 
but yeah, uh, powering all of this is the you know the the um, the, uh, the the beautiful music from Grant Kirkhope, Bean Lindan Clinic. You know, they, they were just like it's very familiar music, obviously, and it obviously treads familiar ground in terms of what you're hearing. But that doesn't stop it from being just absolutely beautiful. It's just proper. If it, it's, it's orchestrated, it must be right because it just sounds like it's just a. Mm-hmm. As a banjo fan, I'm just we're sure we all are. Like just everything that happens in this game from an audio point of view, save the, the, the weak are the weak enemies, like with their kind of strange attitudes and noises, like just anything that was vaguely familiar from the series for me was just like, yep, this is Banjo Kazooie. And it really does just slot into the world perfectly. Yeah. But the, the music kind of just takes it all really. It's, um, especially mm-hmm. again, Banjo Land. And I know it's all nostalgia playing, but it is just a complete compilation of tracks depending on where you go. And it's just like, yep, that's Freeze Easy Peak music. And then it's Gobby's Valley. And then it's this and it's that. But it's just the way it's all just done with a new style of composition. It's just like, whoa, this is just, yeah, uh, a joy for the ears. And uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Of course, hearing the music in uh, Log's Lost Challenges at the end of the game, um, I, I think the word among the fan community is that those were the tracks that were cut from the cut uh wild west world and so they all have that kind of feeling to them um and those are just some of the the most joyful pieces that i've ever heard with the whistling and the it that's it so much fun um but yeah i I love the of course the banjo land pieces hearing uh mad monster mansion kick in with that uh awesome mm. kind of kick-ass organ uh chord at the beginning there and it's just uh yeah wonderful mm-hmm. wonderful pieces the pieces around showdown town are great i love when you get into the uh kind of the rich sector of town and it becomes very yeah. kind of dainty um yeah it's <laughs> it's another very good set of uh grand kirko pieces <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And um, you mentioned the LG Lost Challenge music. It's it's quite rare to have banjo kazoo music actually feature a kazoo, an actual <laughs> kazoo in the in the in the music. Because it's like it's just so novel to hear. Because in the introduction for the original game in the N sixty four, like kazooie pops out and plays some sort of weird trumpety looking thing, and it doesn't sound like a kazoo almost a bit. But that's because the N sixty four couldn't do it justice, right? But to actually hear the kazoo playing in the in in the midst of um in the midst of an actual tune a track, yeah, it's just. It is, yeah, uh, again, a brilliant piece of music. And even though it was wearing thin on my patience as I was struggling to deliver some paint pots to some idiots in, in the in the log challenges, yeah, that music was just a bit grating by the end of it. I was like, okay, I'm going to try again, but that whistling's not doing any, me any favours. So yeah, maybe that's my issue rather than the music. But again, and it all comes down to the little enemies, right? You're trying to deliver these paint pots in the lost challenges and the the... The spherical droid thing, he's knocked you and your, your piece falls off into the water and you can't grab it and you end up underneath the... And it's just like it's yeah. like a comedy of errors, right? It's just one after another after another and it's nothing that you really feel like you're in control of and it's just a bit like, oh man. But luckily if you restart, you know, you can you can pretty much get back to where you were within a few, you know, moments. And it doesn't seem that punishing, but sometimes those enemies, yeah, they're a bit of a chore. Anyway, that's nothing about music, is it? So yeah, uh, moving on to multiplayer... I played a bit this morning, actually. Luckily, I managed to get a couple of rounds. So one round of golfing um, and sumo, which is a lot of fun. But there's a lot to be done here. But I never really feel like, or maybe other than you, Joey, that any of us here have had massive experience with it. How about you, Ryan, first? Uh, I don't recall ever playing the multiplayer. Yeah, it's a shame because it seems really well done. And the, the few times I've had people play online, it's it's been a, it's been such a laugh, you know, and... Uh, 
like there was one we played water polo you know in, in the Gigaseum and it was just it was such a good laugh with hovercrafts just knocking a ball back and forth it's a bit laggy but you know overall it's just a good laugh I had tons of fun doing like the oh, those are what they call it the Ben Hurdle or whatever you know where you're oh, doing yeah. the hurdle races you know and I we you know I brought tons of vehicles that me and him made into that uh into the online Ben Hurdle races and you know just every single vehicle whether it was made for efficient reasons or pure comedy reasons just kind of stampeded through the race and you know i was just winning races running backwards or you know i just like full-blown get out of my vehicle and run like the rest of the race because i've already overlapped them so many times or <laughs> you know nice. and then there were the battle races like how you're talking about like the sumo or the, you know the battle things like how you were talking about sumo and i remember there were certain yeah. games um that you know where it was kind of like sumo but you used weapons or whatever and i just remember using you know like just trying to see what all different ways i could basically screw up my opponent like okay i'm gonna make a vehicle that you cannot push or do anything against and i'm gonna you know just put tons of welder breath on it and just literally make you watch your vehicle crumble by fire and then be unable to put it together as i basically just kind of toy with your vehicle for a bit before pushing it out of the map or reminds me of robot wars on the um on the old tv i don't know if you uh, if you have robot wars in other parts of the world but you know people made their own little robots and they battled them against each other yeah whichever way they made robots right in terms of like having little saw blades or you know a team of people went into a studio on tv and like put their little robot in a um in in an arena of sorts and then Mm -hmm. whichever kind of features they added to their robot or in a battle bot you know it helped them in the um in in the fight and the the sumo reminded me of that so much you know and if, if we brought in our own created vehicles which we didn't but i'd imagine you know there would have been some sort of you know, madness going on because you could just pretty much just build whatever you wanted, right? It was a bit... It was oh, a bit, yeah. Yeah, it, it was very... It could um, be a bit unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. Yeah, very unfair. But fun, all the same. Like, Oh, it, God, yeah. It felt like even though if you lost, you had a good time doing it. And um, yeah, I, I do feel like that the, the multiplayer wasn't, from my personal experience, um, you know, appreciated as much as it should have been, which is a shame. But I'm glad you had a good time of it, though. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm glad I had the experiences I did with it, but it definitely just did not last long enough, I can honestly say, you know, and that was that was disappointing. But I still had plenty of great times with it, for sure. It wasn't a wasted effort on the development team that at least you and maybe a little bit of me had a, had a good time of it. But um, so with, with it being a rare game, there are just like secrets and Easter eggs and all sorts of bits and, you know, nods and, you know, pokes of fun and just like, you know, grab by the ghoulies too and all these kind of nonsense that you can find in the bin and like all these kind of fun things that you can see in the world. I'm not going to go for them, you know, one by one because it'll be a podcast within itself. So if you want to just check out Banjo Kazoo Nuts and Bolts Easter eggs, there's, there's, there's loads of references to be, um, you know, to be looked at but uh yeah uh, the the banjo kazoo nuts and bolts they uh around about the time of launch they had a lunchables snack pack giveaway and they gave away little vehicles inside like um lunchables is like um like a kiddie kind of childlike snack meal for lunch and um yeah they had like, like biscuits and ham and um cheese that you could all build together you see so it's like a build your own kind of like snack lunchable basically as the, as the name suggests so apparently once upon a time they had little nuts and bolts giveaways which would have been nice to um you know to collect really i kind of like collecting banjo stuff which is a bit of a yeah. shame 
I never knew about no, that. No, I mean, even until researching it here, and I just think, oh man, I wonder where they are now. Probably in someone's bin somewhere, you know, all rotted away by now, which is a shame because I'd mm-hmm. definitely like to have some of that. Agreed. And Bottle sells you information for Showdown Town, and right at the bottom, he sells you the stop and swap truth, right, for an impossible amount of um or note of uh, notes. But you know, uh, as luck would have it, someone did manage to hack the game and purchase that. And no, uh, bottles does say something like you shouldn't be looking around here, <laughs> you know, go away or something like that. So, you know, it didn't crash the game or anything. There was a um a thing in place to stop and um well not swap but you know just stop the um the the pesky hackers of games who love to just mine data out of everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff in this game to be um, looked at if you really want to go through it. Do so um, by typing in your favorite search engine of choice and doing it that way. Anyway, last but not least, we have a forum post by Magical Isopod. Here we go. I picked up Nuts and Bolts purely for this podcast as an interesting experiment. I've never played the original Banjo game, so I thought I'd go into this one blind as a non-fan and evaluate it for what it was without the nostalgia goggles. I come away from this game thinking it's quite the work of wasted potential. What struck me immediately was just how tutorial heavy the game is. Most of the first hour is spent explaining the game's mechanics, and it's really quite overwhelming. I felt myself saying to myself multiple times, can you please stop talking to me and let me play the game? It's really mired in these text-heavy explanations it wants it wants to tell, not show, and I found it to be a very frustrating experience. The closest point of reference I can think offhand is Gran Turismo 5, which I played a few months back, again, my first game in its retrospective uh, respective series. Gran Turismo is much more complicated than Nuts and Bolts, but instead of beating you over the head with a tutorial, it gives you some simple steps to get into the driver's seat. And once you're there, it slowly reveals more information as you play and you unlock more cars, options and modes. It was a much easier experience to get invested in. What frustrates me the most about Nuts and Bolts, however, is just how much hard work was clearly put into this game. The graphics and art design still look great in 2019. I find lots of games from around this era of uh, launch, i.e. 2008, generally haven't aged too well visually but I must say I was legitimately wowed by Banjo's presentation value. Not only that, but the writing is pretty sharp and every aspect of the game is polished and high, and every aspect of the game feels polished and high quality. But it's all wasted because ultimately it's just a boringly, it's just a boring, overly complex building and driving game. I played this whilst renting Mario Odyssey and whilst it's not really fair to compare a driving game to a very good modern platformer, it makes me consider what nuts and bolts could have been. The on-foot controls are tight enough that it could have been a good platform, and really, that's what it should have been. I don't know who made the executive. De- I don't know who made the executive decision on this game, whether it was Microsoft or Rare or Tony Blair. But what it was a good, but it was the wrong decision, and it leaves nuts and bolts with a massive asterisk. Who is this game for? I can only imagine it's a rare intersection of banjo fans, Lego fans, and driving game fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems to be a running theme throughout a lot of people's, you know. Um, thoughts and feedback is that it's just kind of like ah you know it could have been you know it's very conflicted so we have a smattering of three word reviews you can do that on twitter at kane and rinse and we usually put a post out before the recording so you can get just some little tiny reviews in for the game first up we have jobo bonobo with not banjo 3e all right the tige (laughs) i like this (laughs) it's a uh very good uh reference to old internet culture saying bear is driving (laughs) And then we have Andrew Elmore. Where's finest? Potentially. <laughs> Potentially, eh? What a word to use. Uh, Andrew Cummings says, unappreciated motoring delights. Jeff Perez says, <laughs> creative alternative adventure. Gustave Dahl. Fun, but different. <laughs> these, these are all like, like, these are all like great, but 
what? <laughs> uh, you know, and I think in our summary for the end of the podcast, you know, I, we haven't got too much time to belabor our final opinions and all of this. But for me personally, uh, my, my, you know, my final feelings on Nuts and Bolts are it's it's a very good game. But, you know, it makes you wonder, is the, what, you know, is, is the banjo license 100% necessary to facilitate it? And maybe it could have been, maybe it's held back by having some of the 3D platforming trappings, right? Maybe it didn't need the notes and maybe it just needed to be a pure puzzle mechanical game with vehicles, right? Maybe having it restricted by the 3D platforming things of yore that we kind of expected from a Banjo game has held it back somewhat. It's hard to tell because we'll never know. But ultimately, I do like Banjo because doing nuts and bolts. And I, you know, it's probably my second favorite in the series. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel like two is a, a decent game, but it kind of, at, at some point, it gets a bit too much. Much like, you know, it's not as bad as DK64, but this isn't the two summary podcast. But I do feel like nuts and bolts is definitely in the you know, in the, in the upper echelon of what I respect of the series. But is it what I wanted? No, but it's what I got. And, you know, I ended up really enjoying it back then and and now, despite all its warts and all. And that's not Gruntilda's warts. I mean, like, it's it's good. It's good. I just wish it was a little bit more. Um, Joey, next. How about you? Uh, you know, I pretty much uh, agree with almost everything you said, you know, except for the part where, you know, like, you know, Banjo-Tooie being a bit much. And, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, like I said, you know, Banjo, Banjo-Tooie, like, Nuts and Bolts, I love the game. I really do. I, I agree about, you know, was the IAP, you know, you already heard all my opinions throughout this podcast on mm. the game as a whole, honestly, you know, because I've gone over it a bunch, you know, as a whole. But, uh, you know, you know, I like, I love the game. So, yeah, uh, your feelings on Nuts and Bolts are very positive. But yeah, you echo some of the sentiments in this uh, here podcast, right? So Ryan, how about yourself, mate? Obviously, I've been raising a lot of negative points throughout the pod, but I don't necessarily want that to come off as me disliking the game. I think from a critical perspective, the the only things that are really, uh, well, the things that are the most interesting for me to talk about for this particular game all just happen to kind of revolve around the things that the game isn't doing as well just because you know the series sets such a high precedent um and it's you know it's interesting to kind of like make those comparisons and and see uh what they chose to carry forward and what they chose to leave behind um but ultimately my thoughts on the game are are pretty positive overall i think that this was a hugely ambitious title uh, that really just kind of came out of nowhere. There's there's no precedent for something like this, and uh, it's really um, it's surprising in all the right ways. It's uh, it's it's a real swing for the fence, and I have to respect that. You know, um, I think that the game's performance uh, kind of holds it back from being a kind revisit in 2019. Um, I think if there was a little bit more kind of spit shine applied to it, as far as uh, frame rate and some of the presentation aspects goes, uh, then I could easily recommend that people go back to it and experience it now. I, w- I would love to see this line of invention kind of continue, but given the reception that this one got, and given the fact that you know it's been. It's been uh, 11 years since uh, Nuts and Bolts. If they were to come back and create another Banjo game and it were to be a Nuts and Bolts follow-up, they would get absolutely eviscerated (laughs) these days. And so, you know, as Mm. much as I would love Mm -hmm. to see them continue to play with these ideas and this wonderful physics and vehicle engine that they'd built, 
it doesn't seem viable or wise from a business perspective um, at this point. Mm-hmm. And since this game came out, there have been games that have uh, played with aspects of uh, of this game's legacy. Um, Captain Forever Remix is a 2D space shooter that involves a lot of just kind of haphazardly bolting additional pieces and weapons and stuff to your vehicle as it grows ever and more ever and ever more uh cumbersome as you uh fly around space and use uh use an ever-changing vehicle and adapt to the situation uh, which i feel like owes quite a bit to the kind of modular nature of banjo kazooie nuts and bolts um so you know there's this is really like a, a fertile field that i wish people would do more things with I, yeah, I just think that uh, making it a banjo game kind of shot them in the foot a little bit, which is unfortunate. Um, I mean, really, as I said, like many of the negative things I've had to say about it were in comparison to the other banjo games. And maybe if it didn't have that um, that weight on its back, maybe this would end up being a more positive podcast overall i don't know we'll never know but um it's it's an interesting tale it's interesting to see that uh for as um as thorough in its history as super smash bros usually is um this game got pretty much no mention when banjo kazooie came to uh came to super smash brothers ultimate you know no alternate costumes no I don't think even the spirits mode had any nuts and bolts stuff mm-hmm. in it, which is just like, which is a glaring omission where thoroughness is kind of the name of the game in Smash Bros. So, you know, you get this kind of feeling mm-hmm. overall that the fans and even some of the people involved in its creation are probably fine just kind of leaving this one behind, mm. which is too bad. But. I guess that's kind of the risk you take when you involve like a a massive IP in an entirely new project. And uh, it just was a gamble that didn't pay off in this case, which is, which is a shame, you know, we're leaving a really, we're leaving a good idea on the side of the road. And uh, that's one of the casualties Mm. there. Yeah. The only, the only reference I can think about nuts and bolts ever really had was the cameo appearance. They, uh, banjo and Kazooie had in Sonic, uh, oh, yeah, Sega, that's true. Um, that's right, racing. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Well done. So it remains for me, Darren, to thank uh, Ryan and Joey, as well as our correspondence editor, Ryan. Uh, thank you twice. Well done. And uh, plus of course you for me having you in your ears for this long time. Sorry about that. If you enjoyed this <laughs> podcast, you can subscribe to patreon.com for us. Ken and Rince and you get this one earlier if you do and this might be a bit longer it might not who knows and uh, yeah next time we're going to be um, playing some other games that I'm not too sure Donkey Kong 64 uh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah we are yeah so this time next week you'll be hearing me and some other people with familiar voices maybe maybe not uh, playing Donkey Kong 64 yeah you can do that and um, we'll have a good old time yeah 